This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Earlier, we are so grateful to have John Wenrick here. John is a a part of a, a team of people, and their whole purpose is to plant and strengthen churches, uh, to help lead existing churches like ours uh, on a journey of vitality. In in our case, of course, uh, just living into what it means to be healthy and missional, pursuing Christ and pursuing Christ's priorities in the world. Uh, yesterday, uh, we experienced the epic workshop. It was dynamic. It was wonderful. It was about inspiring people, right? Uh, empowering people and inspiring change. That's what it's about. And so if you're ready to get inspired and feel empowered today, uh, John is here and we are so blessed. So John, come on up. And while he's coming up, uh, I have to mention that, that if you're a Broncos fan, uh, <laughs> he is an Eagles fan, okay? Yeah. And, and that's okay. As we say, fly, Eagles, fly, right? That's right. Uh, hey, let's welcome John. <laughs> Well, good morning, everyone. Right off the bat, I want to say I love your church. Don't you? (laughs) And uh, I love coming here to Alaska and just be a part of what the Holy Spirit's doing in and through your faith community. I bring you greetings from Covenant offices in Chicago. We are so grateful for our partnership together in the gospel. We are better together. Wouldn't you agree? And uh, I'm just so thankful for the ways that we can serve the Lord and share the gospel and word and deed with uh, people all over the world. Uh, I want to affirm you as a congregation. You're one of the largest churches in the Evangelical Covenant Church to be walking this congregational vitality pathway and learning about the 10 healthy missional markers. And we have some extra copies of this brochure on the back table today. This is a two- to three-year transformative process. We The process is just as important as the product, and we're just praying that the Holy Spirit continues to show up and move and wake people up as we move forward in this process. And I've really been impressed with the vision of your church your intentionality, and the means and the skills that you're developing to become all that Jesus wants you to be. Thanks for setting the pace. And I want to encourage you to keep going and not take your hand off the plow. Somebody once asked me, uh, John, you know, you're the director of congregational vitality for the Covenant Church. What's one word that you would use to describe vitality? And I thought about that, and I came up with this word, awaken, awaken. And it's the Holy Spirit who causes that awakening to occur. You see, the starting point of congregational vitality is not learning techniques. It's not about a quick fix solution. I mean, we didn't get into this situation overnight, and we're not going to get out of this situation overnight either. There's no life in a principle. There's no life in a workshop. There's no life in a technique. There's only life in the Spirit. And that Holy Spirit awakens a person, regenerates that person with saving faith through the person and work of Jesus on the cross. And it 
the Holy Spirit also awakens an entire church. One of our major distinctives in the Evangelical Covenant Church is a conscious dependence on the Holy Spirit. So I'm so grateful for many of the songs we were singing today and praise the Lord. Did you notice the Trinitarian aspect of many of those songs? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, Christians know a lot about Abba Father, Daddy. You know, Jesus was the first one to call God Abba. It was an extremely uh, tender term of endearment. We learn about Jesus, the center of our faith. But a lot of Christians don't really know or appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit. And there are a lot of miserable Christians in the world today. And I think one of the reasons why is because they don't know how to appropriate the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about going wacky on you. You know, I'm just saying in a real deep, authentic way, how do we become more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit? We serve a triune God. And today I want to share with you two Lessons that Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit. And, of course, Jesus is speaking from the reservoir from his own experience. Many Christians forget this, but Jesus himself had a real body. We talked about the resurrection of the body in the Apostles' Creed. It wasn't a fake. It wasn't a phantom. Jesus had a real body. He said, a body you have prepared for me to do your will. Jesus had a real body. And that body was a temple of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit empowered Jesus to complete the mission of his heavenly Father. To usher in a new kingdom, a whole new way of living in this world for Christ. It's an amazing story, and we're like caught up in that larger story. It's not just our little stories, but it's how it connects with the larger story. Jesus showed us how to allow the Holy Spirit to fill our bodies. Our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, a place where the Spirit dwells. And when a person gets saved or surrenders their life to Jesus and comes into the kingdom, at that point, that person receives the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Yes, there's subsequent fillings that we need, just kind of a freshen up thing as we grow older in the Lord. But upon the point of conversion, a person receives the Holy Spirit. And this is the awakening, the spiritual awakening that occurs. How many of you have read this book by Laura Hildebrand called Unbroken? Have any of you read this? Okay, my wife and some of my kids read this a few months ago, and I was on a plane to Mexico the other day, and so I go, I'm going to read this book. And he talks, this is an amazing book. And the wife went to a Billy Graham crusade, and she comes home to her husband, Louis Zamperini, who was a Pacific POW war Vet, And she said, I had a spiritual awakening. She uses that word awakening. That's the Holy Spirit at work. And her husband decided to go after some fighting, and he experienced an awakening. Jesus filled his life through the Holy Spirit as well. It's an amazing story, and I highly recommend this book, especially if you deal with resentment or a lack of forgiveness. But I loved it because she used this phrase, an awakening. 
And Jesus shows us how to be filled with the Spirit. So I'm going to share with you today two things that Jesus taught about the work of the Holy Spirit. We historically call the Holy Spirit the third person of the Trinity. And by the way, knowledge about the Holy Spirit does not diminish the mystery of the Holy Spirit. You with me on this? Knowledge of the Holy Spirit does not diminish the mystery of the Holy Spirit. So here's one of the things that Jesus taught about the Holy Spirit. Turn with me to Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 8. So after Jesus was raised from the dead, from the power of God, he, you know, appeared to his disciples. He hung around the earth for 40 more days. And right before he was about to ascend to his father, to return to the glory that he had before the creation of the world, he said to his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, but you will receive power. Will you say that word with me? Power. Underline that. When the Holy Spirit comes on you, And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The first thing that Jesus teaches us about the Holy Spirit is that the Holy Spirit is a spirit of power that uh, empowers the church to accomplish the mission, to spread the gospel in word or deed all over the globe. And I got to tell you, it wasn't the charismatic personalities of the disciples that empowered the growth of the early church. It was simply the the filling and the power that the Holy Spirit gave. That's the gas, baby. That's the fuel for mission, the Holy Spirit. Sometimes I read through the Life Application Bible. Go ahead to this next slide. And here is this footnote that I found on this text. The church did not start or grow by its own power or enthusiasm. The disciples were empowered by the Holy Spirit. It was the pro, he was the promised counselor and guide sent when Jesus went to heaven. The Holy Spirit's work demonstrated that Christianity was supernatural. Thus the church becomes more Holy Spirit conscious than problem conscious. Next slide. By faith, any believer can claim the Holy Spirit's power to do Christ's work. This power is given to all believers to help us fulfill the mission of Jesus. That power includes confidence, courage, boldness, insight, ability, and authority. By faith, next slide please. When the Holy Spirit works, there is movement, excitement, and growth. The Spirit gives us the motivation, energy, and ability to get the gospel to the whole world. This was evidenced in the growth of the early church to 39 cities and 30 countries, islands, or provinces in the first century alone. It was a dynamic and growing community of believers from Jerusalem to Syria, Africa, Asia, and Europe. Do you see how the Holy Spirit empowers the church for mission? And the Holy Spirit is still doing that. Do you realize that the Holy Spirit is here in this church in Eagle River, empowering this congregation to fulfill the purpose that God created your church? And it is about mission. By the way, David Blesh said, the church does not have a mission. The mission 
has a church. Do you see the difference? The church does not have a mission. The mission has a church. So it's not about you or me. It's about the mission that God has called us to. And I think we're at our best as a church and as a denomination when we're really into mission. Oh, I just love the original name of the Evangelical Covenant Church. And if I had a magic wand, I'd change it back to this name like this. We were called Mission Friends. And I got to tell you, the best friends I've made in my life, I'm 53 this year, the best friends I've ever made in my life are the friends I made while on mission. And we're doing life together. We're being empowered by this Holy Spirit that filled Jesus' body and fills the body of every single believer. When most Christ followers think about the Holy Spirit, I think they think mostly about power for mission. But I got to tell you today, friends, there's more to the Holy Spirit than just power. Jesus also said that the Holy Spirit brings truth, the spirit of truth. Turn with me to John chapter 14, beginning in verse 16. The Holy Spirit doesn't just empower the church for mission, but the Holy Spirit enables the church to tell the truth about herself. You know, in this work of congregational vitality, working with churches all over the world now, you know what I've discovered about churches, regardless of the culture in which they're in? Most churches can tell the truth about Jesus just fine, but they have a very difficult time telling the truth about themselves, holding up the mirror and looking at the way Jesus truly sees us, warts and all. And I think this is one of the great ministries of the Holy Spirit, the ministry of truth. Jesus said, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because he neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Now this word advocate and many other translations... Uh, Jesus uses the word counselor, counselor, advocate, sort of like the same thing. But you know what the job of a counselor is? The job of a counselor is to draw out the deepest truths of who you and I are. In fact, look at this next verse in Proverbs 20, verse 5. It says, the purposes of a person's heart are like deep waters, but a person who has insight draws them out. And I think just as important as the spirit of power is the spirit of truth. And the Holy Spirit draws out the deepest truths of who we are and bring those to the surface. Because when we see ourselves the way Jesus sees us, then we can act differently. So I'm a leader in our denomination of almost 200,000 people. And every month, you know what I do? The spirit of truth stuff... I see a Christian counselor because I want this person to just go deeper into my life and draw out the things about me so that when I serve God, I can give him my very best. And I know there's some shame around that, but I don't care because Jesus bore my shame on the cross. Ain't that right? Jesus bore our shame on the cross so we can be real and authentic with each other and let the truth come out and take off the imposter's mask. This is part of the Holy Spirit's ministry. He's the spirit of truth. 
And not just individually, but I think the Holy Spirit comes alongside churches and looks at the heart of the church and gently draws out the deepest truths about that church. And some of those truths are encouraging and some of those are very painful. We have a saying in the vitality movement, there is no vitality without reality. Jesus said, you shall know the truth, that's reality, and the truth will set you free, that's vitality. And so if we're going to become healthy missional churches, we've got to be able to tell the truth about ourselves in a civil, compassionate, and Christ-honoring way. And it's the Holy Spirit who superintends that whole process of drawing out the deepest things, those things that are underneath the surface in our church that aren't readily obvious. I think that's a tremendous ministry of the Holy Spirit. So, are you with me on this? Spirit of power, spirit of truth. It's clear from the life and teaching and ministry of Jesus that he wanted us to know this about the Holy Spirit. Power for mission and truth so that we could see ourselves the way Jesus sees us. And that happens both individually and on a congregational kind of level. So how can we, and this becomes the major question now, how can we become more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit, both congregationally and individually? So I want to share with you two very practical ways, as a whole congregation, how we become more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit. And then I'll share with you two ways that we as individuals can be more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit. I want this. I want to know more and more what it means to be consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit. So let's talk about how as a congregation can we become more dependent on the Holy Spirit. So I want to introduce you to a concept called the law of thirds. The law of thirds applies to how we actually have leadership team meetings or any kind of uh, meeting within the church almost. So the law of thirds actually has to do with how we create and implement the agenda for a meeting. I'm just trying to be really practical here. So when you gather together as leaders in a meeting, spend the first third of your meeting asking this one question. How is the Holy Spirit at work in me right now? And you go around the room, it may be a certain verse that the Holy Spirit's really using in your life to bring comfort. It may be you had an opportunity to share the gospel with somebody, and you're just so excited about the opportunity to share the gospel with someone, and that was the Holy Spirit at work, making that divine connection. That's, those are some examples of how the Holy Spirit may be at work in your life. The second third of the meeting asks this question. How is the Holy Spirit at work in us as a congregation and in the community of Eagle River? The first question is, how is the Holy Spirit working me? The second third is, how is the Holy Spirit at work in us as a church? The last third of the meeting answers one question. Based on how the Holy Spirit is at work in me and in us, what decisions do we need to make tonight as a church, or at least bring before our congregation as a whole? Uh, this is so very important to then apply it to the decisions that need to be made. And I'm going to challenge you on this. If you can't make, if you can't reserve this last third for the decisions that need to be made, 
You'll probably need to be talking more with each other throughout the month so that you can really get all those decisions done in this final third of the meeting. Does that make sense? So it's really important because this kind of way to set up your agenda for any meeting really reminds us that we are spiritual leaders. We're not leaders in some organization where where the profit is the bottom line. This is an organism more than an organization, and we're being led by the Holy Spirit. It reminds us that we are spiritual leaders. Practice the law of thirds when it comes to even how you set up an agenda. So I want to share with you what happened with this. So I, I'm coaching a pastor, and uh, so he really likes this idea of the law of thirds. So I go to one of his staff meetings, like within a few days after I teach him this concept, and it's like, okay, John's taught us about the law of thirds. So how is the Holy Spirit at work in me? And I was so proud of this pastor. He went around to every person. I'm going, oh, this is so good. I'm loving this. And then he went right into the calendar and decisions and this and that. He forgot to practice the second two-thirds of this approach to being spiritual leaders. So if you're going to practice this, I want to encourage you, the next time you have a meeting, just go with this all the way, baby. Get into it. It's like the hokey pokey. Put your whole self in, not just your elbow. You with me? So try it. And see how the Holy Spirit shows up. I think you'll be amazed. The second way as a congregation can be more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit is to create a Holy Spirit account. And I'm not saying this so that you can fight over about how to spend this, but every year you just, you know, you budget treasurer type account. I have three CPAs in my family, so, you know, I'm sort of, I didn't get that numbers gift, believe me. But I really appreciate people who know how to do this kind of stuff. But just would you create a line item called the Holy Spirit account? And maybe you put $500 in there or $1,000 because you don't know how the Holy Spirit's going to move next year. Because you can't anticipate everything. And when you hear and feel the wind of the Spirit blowing, you can raise up your sails catch that wind and invest in those opportunities you could have never anticipated the year before. Is this making any sense? And and it becomes kind of an adventurous thing, like how how is the Holy Spirit going to show up next year? And we don't have any idea, but we've got some resources set aside that when that wind blows, baby, we're going to raise the sail and catch the wind and follow the Spirit wherever the Spirit leads. I'm inviting you to practice this kind of stuff. We continually need reminders of what it means to consciously depend on the Holy Spirit. So those are two things we can do as a congregation. Now here are two things that we can do as individuals. And I've been learning to uh, practice this stuff. So over the last couple months, I read in some spiritual direction book, Every day now, before my feet hit the floor, not every day, but I would say 80 to 90% of the time, and I did it this morning, and I want to share with you what happened. Uh, Before my feet hit the floor, in the stillness of the morning, in the stillness of the morning, I asked the Holy Spirit one question. Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do 
in and through my life today? What is it that you want to do in and through my life today? Now, I don't claim to hear an audible voice of God, but more often than not, I have this deep impression that God, my shepherd, Jesus said, I know my sheep and my sheep know me and they hear my voice. It's not some craziness. And I usually hear like one or two words and I I never underestimate my ability to be deceived. So I always check what I hear with the word of God. That's one of our 10 healthy missional markers, right? The centrality of the word. I mean, this stuff really works in real life. I mean, if Christianity can't work in the streets, it's worth nothing. So can I tell you what I heard today? Very simple. And oftentimes when I hear this, I don't know how it's going to work out for that day. You know what I mean? But my antennas are up and I'm just waiting. This is part of the adventure of following the spirit wherever the spirit leads. And I'm like, I'm like James Bond. Like, how's this going to show up today? I mean, I am highly attentive and highly tuned in to how the Holy Spirit's going to fulfill that word today in my life. Here's what I heard this morning. Bring peace. Bring peace. Go, what is that? And then in my bed, I started to think about that more and more. Here's what came to mind. Bring peace to those who have lost. John 14 says, Let not your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. I am the way and the truth and the life. I thought about peace. Maybe you're anxious about the future because you don't know what's going to happen in a year from now. Or maybe there's some relational tension in your life or anxiety is just killing you. And you don't really have a lot of the peace of Christ in your life. But I'm here to tell you today, you can have the peace of Christ in your life as you appropriate more of the Holy Spirit. So you become more consciously aware of his presence more than your problems. Are you with me on this? Bring peace. I don't know what that message means for you today, but I hope it's connecting with something deep in your life, or maybe you can share that with another person. And you know, we're not even till noon yet, so I'm going to still continue to depend on the Holy Spirit. Like, what does that mean today for me to bring peace? Sometimes I hear the words like, let go, or forgive, or joy, love. I never know, but I'm always amazed at how Jesus fulfills those words through the Holy Spirit. The second way to uh, individually become more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit is to simply discover, develop, and deploy your spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gave to you upon conversion. Do you realize that when you came into the kingdom of the heavens, the kingdom of the living God, 
That when you gave your life to Jesus and surrendered to him, you received the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit deposited miraculously into your life gifts that fit with who God made you to be. And who God made you to be greatly influences the ministry that he wants you to do. When I was a pastor, we had classes set up to help people discover what their spiritual gift was and how to develop that and how to practice that and deploy that. Have you ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire? He says, when I run, I feel God's pleasure. And when you serve in the area of your Holy Spirit giftedness, you feel the Lord's pleasure. It's not always easy. It's sometimes hard. But when you serve in the area of your giftedness, it's just something deep that happens. It's not always fun, but it is very rewarding and filling and satisfying. I want you to know that you have gifts within your life that the Holy Spirit gave to you to strengthen this church so that the gospel burns more brightly and warmly here in your own life and in Eagle River. Oh, I know there are seasons of life when this can't really happen, but most of the time, I think every Christ follower ought to have a ministry a ministry that really accentuates and maximizes and deploys those spiritual gifts that the Holy Spirit gave to each believer. So, Holy Spirit, what is it that you want to do in my life today? And, Holy Spirit, what are the gifts that you've given me to strengthen the church so that the gospel will burn more brightly and warmly in our world? So these are some very practical ways that we can become more consciously dependent on the Holy Spirit. Howard Hendricks once said, if your dreams, I'm sorry, if your memories are bigger than your dreams, you have already begun to die. But if your dreams are bigger than your memories, the best is yet to come. And as you as a congregation, as you as an individual Christ follower, become more consciously dependent on the power and the truth of the Holy Spirit, I can promise you this, the best is yet to come. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much that when Jesus came back to you, you did not leave us as orphans. You sent the promised Holy Spirit to empower us for mission and to help us to tell not just the truth about Jesus and the gospel, but to be able to tell the truth about who we are deep inside your desire that we live a fully authentic life together. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would fall afresh and anew upon this congregation and each person in it. And this week would be different because we're more filled with you. We're more in tune to how you're working, even though we don't understand you all the time. We know that you understand us and you have a plan and a mission that you want to accomplish. And we thank you that we're not alone on this mission, but we're mission friends. 
And Holy Spirit, I pray that the best is yet to come as you fill this church more and more with your power and with your truth. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Spirit, and everyone in agreement said, Amen.